Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is a podcast. Today, I have Angie Griffith from Nashville, Tennessee with us. Angie, why don't you tell us what you're doing? Oh, man. What am I doing? I am sitting here <laughs> talking to you with my life or... <laughs> You know, we just took a few minutes and uh, re, I don't know how to say that, recalibrated. <laughs> we were going to record with my normal program, uh, Riverside FM. And it's kind of cool because Angie is a podcast coach and we are trying something new. I'm actually recording with Zoom today as kind of my, my backup plan. And I've always known that this was a backup plan uh, that I could use and I just never have. So we're, we're trying it out. This is what she says she uses. So so Angie, you're a podcast coach. How did you get to here? Where have you come from? And when did you start working from home? And what are you doing now? It is a story about Let's how I it. got into podcasting. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay, where to begin? Um, I actually moved to Nashville about 12 years ago. It was January, 2009. Mm -hmm. um, and I moved here to be a songwriter. And I really had no interest. Well, I shouldn't say no interest. I thought I really wanted to be a songwriter. And when I started to write songs and started to co-write, um, I just found that it took a lot of creative energy for me. A lot of people move to town to be songwriters and it's like in their blood, like they cannot do anything else, you know, like a lot of creatives, whatever their passion is, they love to do it and they can't do anything else. But for me, it was all about the residual income. Like my, the whole reason I wanted to be a songwriter was so that I could have mailbox money and to <laughs> royalties. Be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Royalties. Um, and to own my copyright and to create generational wealth. And that is the, my reason for wanting to be a songwriter was incorrect <laughs> to okay. make it as a songwriter. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I was, you know, for a few years, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, I went to school for music business and I was interning, you know, at all the places around Nashville and, you know, really wasn't super into anything except songwriting and publishing. Um, and I decided to take a job in artist management because what I learned was, so right out of college, I started my own publishing company, did a whole like launch, had this big party with all these industry people. And then when I started working, I realized in the music industry, it's all about who, you know, and it's all about your experience and you can't just jump out of college and start your own company. I mean, you can, but it's very, very hard. And so I kind of dissolved that company very quietly, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. started working for an artist management company and learned a lot in management. Basically what a manager does is they are basically the goalie for a recording or a touring artist. So you think of all of these different people trying to come at the artist, like their agent and their publisher and the publicity team and the record label. And all of these people have to work together to release an album or to put on a tour. And so it's the manager's job to talk to all of those people come back, digest it in a way that makes sense to the artist, prioritize based on what's most important of all of those things, and then come back to the team and make sure everyone does their job. Wow! <laughs> so you're going to learn a little bit about every single aspect of the music business. And so it really wasn't until probably four years into that job that I felt really, really confident. So I was there for a while. I stayed with the company for about eight years. 
um, got promoted obviously from assistant coordinator to manager. Um, and then in the last year to head of a brand new department. Um, but what I realized after being there for so long is, Hey, wait a second. I now have all of this experience and my whole goal in moving to Nashville was to, again, create that residual income and to work for myself and not to have mm. an income ceiling. And so I sat down with my bosses. We're all very close. It's a small company, um, very incredible company, but small. And, um, I just said, Hey, I know that I've put in a lot of time here, but I just don't think I want to be a manager anymore. I, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I know what my goals are as far as like what I want for my life. Um, and they were obviously bummed, but super supportive. Um, they actually said, my bosses said, Angie, just figure out what you want to do and let us know, you know, where you want to work or who you want to work for. And we'll call the boss and we'll get you hired. Like very <laughs> supportive. Wow. Um, and so what happened was I, it, it was probably the second meeting I took, I sat down with another manager in town and we were talking about developing a brand partnerships department. And, um, we just hit it off really well. We talked for about three hours and at the very end of the meeting, he was like, um, Hey, so I really want to do this with you. Let's build out a department. We can figure out shared ownership. It was exactly, you know, what I had envisioned, you know, mm -hmm. and he's like, but you know, both of us have this huge extensive network in the music business. Like between the two of us, we know very different people, which covers like the whole industry. Right. <laughs> um, and he's like, but in the brand side, do you have any ideas for making uh, relationships with these brand decision makers? And I was like, well, not really, but like off the top of my head, what if we started a podcast and we interviewed the head, you know, of all the brands so that when, whenever we do need someone from a particular brand, we have a no like, and trust factor with that person. They right. love us. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be like, we're coming out of the woodworks being like, Hey, we need something for one of our artists, you know? Mm -hmm. And he was like, Holy shit. That's brilliant. Um, I'm going to go out of town for three weeks. When I get back, let's meet again. Do you think you could figure out how to start a podcast by then? And I was like, um, sure. And so I like put the pedal to the metal. It was, um, you know, I crammed for about three weeks, came mm. back with this 20 minute presentation because that's the type a, you know, Enneagram <laughs> one that I am. And I was like, you know what? You're either going to love me or hate me, but I need your full attention for 20 minutes. And I had this whole, you know, PowerPoint, you know, clicker, all the things. And at the end of the conversation, he was like, oh my God, like, we're not starting this brand department. I'm signing you as my very first podcasting client. And we are going to do this podcast that you just presented to me. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> because when I was working on that project, what I realized was, Hey, like if we're going to, if we're going to do this, if we're going to start a podcast, it can't be about what the podcast is going to do for us. We can't go in with the intention of, Oh, we need this podcast to create brand relationships. We have mm -hmm. to go into it with how can we serve an audience? How can we build a tribe? And therefore the end result happens to be that we're going to create amazing relationships. And right. so in order to pitch this podcast, I had to put a whole concept together about how we would do that. 
And so at that point, he and I were both like, wait a minute. And sorry, this story is very long. Keep but going. <laughs> we were both like, wait a minute. Um, my bosses have been so cool about, you know, letting me explore things. And it would be really weird for me to leave this amazing managing management company and go sign with another manager in town. <laughs> like it just is like a very weird, touchy, weird thing. And he and I both agreed, like we should, we should probably involve my bosses at this point out of courtesy, you know? Okay. And so I flew to LA. I talked to my bosses thinking that they were going to be like, you know, I wanted to offer it to them first and, and thinking that they were going to be like, no, that's crazy. Like go do your thing type of thing. And it was the opposite. And they were like, no, we want to do this. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I told the other guy, let's hold off. He was totally cool with it. He had known my boss for years. They had worked okay. together on artists before. Um, and so that was, let's see, this was pre pandemic that December. Okay. So the world was still perfectly normal in mm -hmm. December. <laughs> so we end up, that was the plan. I started transitioning, you know, my assistant was going to stay and work on the podcast. And I was transitioning my clients to other managers. It was all in motion. And then come March or whenever the pandemic started, we were all like, Whoa, wait, hang on a second. We're pulling down all of our tours. We know our, our main source of revenue is touring. Um, okay. And we had, cause the, the acts are managing our stadium touring artists. Like that is how my salary was paid. And we're like, we can't right now start a podcast. Like a, we can't take that risk right now when I'm needed as a manager at this point to, to okay. do all of these tour reschedules and everything we had going on. Um, and of course I totally understood that. Um, and the solution was we were putting the podcast on hold. However, because touring was coming down, all of the different managers and departments were having to pivot and find new money. And so one of the ways to find new money was podcasting. Okay. And so I was able to then transition into running our very first ever podcast division, which I did for the whole year of the pandemic, um, started a podcast with one of our touring artists who had been just recording on the road for fun and had no idea how to put up a podcast. Right. Um, and so we did that together, um, ended up peaking at number one on Apple podcast music's chart. Um, because what I, what I did was just applied the same strategy that we would use to release an album to a podcast and which was oh, really wow. cool to see that parallel and that it translates. Um, and so did that. We also, um, we negotiated a major network partnership with another one of our art, uh, another, uh, talent on our roster. We okay. put him with a network, um, negotiated that deal. That was really cool to, uh, rolled out that launch, um, for the artist, we were able to negotiate a network deal for him as well. So it's just like this very cool year of all the different things. And then the, at the same time in my free time, I, well, <laughs> free time, <laughs> I don't have free time, but when I wasn't at my desk for my job, I was uh, working on my own podcasts just to make mm -hmm. sure that I know exactly what I'm doing. Cause at this point, remember I had never had a podcast. It's so a big deal. How, how am I going to launch a podcast for my client 
without have ever done it, doing it for myself. So mm -hmm. did that as well. Had a podcast with a couple of girlfriends. Um, we just kind of threw up overnight and did a season and have just been, um, doing all the things since then. And was it like a fun podcast, like based on like a hobby or just chatting or was it like still industry related? It was not at all industry related. It was two of my friends who are not at all in the industry. Um, and we started just, we were drinking wine one night and just girl talking and we were like, let's just record this. And so <laughs> we recorded it and it was the podcast just ended up being like a reality show about our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, it was very fun a ton of work for me, uh, cause mm -hmm. I was doing, you know, all of the technical things, editing, mm -hmm. all of this, all the things, um, which is what I wanted to do because again, the whole point of doing that was to get experience across the board. Yeah. Um, but it was a ton of work and learned a lot from it. But anyway, so at the end of the pandemic, I ended up going back to my bosses and we had a conversation and I was like, guys, you know, I don't want to be running a podcast department, you know, you know, my goal here and we've been helping each other out this past year. And it's been mm -hmm. amazing both ways, you know, like I have so appreciated having the salary, of course, in, in this pandemic that we had, like, I was very lucky to have a salary and my benefits. Um, but at the same time I had to stay true to what I know that I, I want. Um, and so I took a very, very big leap of faith <laughs> and left the company at the end of February this February, 2021. Oh, and wow. I have been, yeah. And I have been, um, doing my own thing ever since then. I am still working with the artists that I was working with for the company. We just have a different kind of structure now, but I'm still producing his podcast. Okay. Um, and, and it's then, just one for them. Yep. It's yeah. Just one podcast that I'm still working on with them. The other two stayed with, or the other one stayed with the company. Um, just because we had, for the, for that other podcast, we had a very, very involved network where mm -hmm. I was just kind of overseeing on a very, very high level. Mm -hmm. So, um, I wasn't involved in very much day to day for that one. It was totally fine to stay at the company and I was able to transfer that. Um, but with, with the other podcast, um, by the way, it's called stay human with Michael Franti, which is amazing. He's an amazing human. Um, but with that one, I'm very, very involved. And so it made sense for us to continue working together. Um, and then wow. aside from that, I'm doing my own, you know, working one-on-one, -on -one, trying to find more clients to work one-on-one -on -one, and then also doing a group, pro group coaching program for people that want to start their own podcasts. So how is this going to translate into uh, residual income for you going forward? So it's all coming down to this group coaching program that I'm working mm -hmm. on. Um, well, I should say there's two ways. So one is working one-on-one. -on -one. Um, really, I'm not planning on sharing ownership in any of those projects. I'm more doing launch packages for like high-level mm -hmm. influencers and entrepreneurs who know they want to have a podcast, but they don't want to have to deal with anything to get it up. They just want to, you know, prepare the content and go. Mm -hmm. So not planning on sharing ownership in any of those, but I would, however, share ownership if it was I'm approaching an influencer who I really believe in and I want to develop and kind of, if I'm the one coming to them type of thing, mm -hmm. um, which I don't see myself doing until I have quite a bit of capital to support that. Um, but quick residual income is obviously I'm, I'm working on this group coaching program, getting students in and hoping to, you know, do six to eight launches a year for that. And then, um, sell evergreen in between, of course, is the dream. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so when you went back and you're like, I have no idea what a podcast, or how to start a podcast, and you spent three weeks studying, I'm assuming you went really deep and you like explored all the options. Um, I, 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 it took me much longer than three weeks to do that research. And I was researching pretty carefully and in depth as well. Um, but like the little decisions that I thought that I could make in 20 minutes took like two days, like for figuring out which host I wanted to use that sort of thing. Oh my gosh, I can relate so hard. So for that presentation, I didn't actually put up a podcast. It was more just conceptual, like, mm -hmm. okay, I know that if I was want it more about the content, it was more about the content and also just the strategy. Like for okay. instance, in that presentation, I wasn't talking about, oh, I'm going to use anchor to upload my episodes and then blah, blah, blah. I was more saying, Hey, I know that because of what I know from being an artist manager, I know that when I launch my podcast, I want to launch with three episodes on launch day so yeah. that it counts as three downloads. And so it makes it so that I'm more likely to chart on my Apple podcasts chart. Yeah. So it's those okay. kinds of things that I'm more prepared for, for that presentation. But yeah, it takes so long to figure out how to start a podcast. There's endless information out there. You can find it all for free online, hundred percent. Um, but what I'm aiming to do with this program is take everything that I know, including the strategy. So not only the how to, but including the strategy about how to release it and in what steps to do things and what you mm -hmm. don't want to forget and the common mistakes to avoid and like all of the things so that you can just go in and go, okay, step one, this step two, that step three, that, and not have to think about it. And it's not right. the only way that you can launch a podcast. Of course not. Everyone has different ways that they launch podcasts, but it's my way. And I'm really yeah. confident about it. Um, and it's the same step-by-step -step that I use. If I'm launching a podcast for a client, I literally go into my course materials that I've prepared because when I first started putting it together, I was putting it together because I knew there were so many moving parts and I knew that I would have to release another podcast and I wanted to keep notes of everything I was doing. Right. Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. a system. Yeah, definitely. And there's, it's, it's easy to like, for instance, we are not only using, um, we're using Captivate as our host. So we up upload everything to Captivate, including the podcast um, titles and art. And, you know, then there's like the, the alternative title for Apple and the alternative, you know, description for Apple because they don't want any links. But then it's also bringing it to the website and also to YouTube and making sure that the different links that you have, like, you can't just copy and paste them all because if you're trying to direct people to, um, to the website, you can't, I don't know, it's, it's a little bit more complicated than it seems. And there's a lot of steps. I think at one point we're like, I think there's about 16 steps that we need to be doing. And, and it's really easy to forget one for um, every single episode. Yeah. Every single one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when we started using, uh, well, okay. So I started looking for the host, right. And that was the one that I was like, Oh, I just got to find a host. And I don't even know what a host was. Like, obviously we think of a host as like the person who like, I'm the host right. of this podcast, right? No, a host is like the person who, or the people, the company, the website, the whatever that gets the word out. And like, you can subscribe through like Stitcher and I, um, Apple iTunes and all of the, you know, Amazon now, and even Google, I think they're all, you know, putting out podcasts and you have to connect individually to every single one of these and say, I want, yes, I do want my podcast to be, you know, available in India and these other places. And it took days, literally days. And it was overwhelming. I had no idea it was that, you know, involved. Uh, I, I thought I would be able to have the podcast up within like a month when I first, you know, decided that, yes, I'm going to do this. And I think it took six months. Oh, yeah. For my very first podcast. So the one I told you about 
you know, the concept that I put together, Mm -hmm. I worked on that podcast. I worked on figuring out how to put up that podcast for two years. Oh, wow. By the time, by the time my company, when I was in LA, they said they wanted to do it. I kind of thought to myself, like, I don't even want to do this anymore. Like, I'm not even interested in this topic anymore. Like I've grown grown in the past two years, you know? And so when I started that podcast with my girlfriends, because I had prepared for two years about all of this things, you know, Mm -hmm. I put that podcast up literally overnight. We recorded it. I edited it. I uploaded it. And then we just released episodes weekly ever, you know, for the whole season. Okay. Yeah. You already had all that research under your belt. Right. But it was one of those things where it's like, okay, with a podcast, you have to just, yes, you want to have a quality product, which is why I think it's important to have one strategy, whoever you work with, just have one strategy. So you don't miss a step. Mm -hmm. Um, but you also have to let go of some perfectionism, which I really struggle with. Oh yeah. And you have to go, you're never going to be perfect. You have to practice recording and it's practice by doing and getting comfortable on the mic by doing, you can't practice by not actually putting up the episode. I mean, you can, but it'd kind of be a waste of time. Um, but it really is practice by doing, and you just get better the more you do it. (laughs) I hope that people feel like that if they've listened through the first 35 episodes that I've already (laughs) had up there, because I'm actually looking at my list right now and episode number seven, we talked a lot about perfectionism. It was, um, someone who interviewed me for his podcast about fear. And basically, as I started talking about my fears related to different things from my past, my current fears mostly are related to fear of, you know, judgment. And then you, you get you start to procrastinate because you don't want, it's almost like you're afraid to succeed because then people might like, you know, criticize. Um, it's, it's a big deal to actually go from the, the, con- the concept to publishing and like being out there. Um, yeah, it's a big deal. So um, <clears throat> my, the editor guy that has been helping me throughout this time, um, I think right around the time we got to episode 14, he's like, I think we're finally hitting a groove here. <laughs> I still oh, yeah. hope that people will listen to the earlier episodes. If you ever do go back and binge listen, that's cool with me, but you'll hear, you know, a progression. I do ask some of the same questions each time just for structure, but you know, it's, it's, it's a skill to, to like, listen and be ready to ans- ask the next, next question. There's often these awkward pauses and sometimes we edit those out, but oftentimes we just keep it. And that was the thing. We started to get so perfectionistic about the original recordings that it was taking too long to focus on those, um, to get through, um, to be able to publish was taking a couple of days and we needed to have more time to, you know, do social media posts or to get the podcast art ready. Um, and like I said, I've been working with some, but even just getting, um, the descriptions written out or I was doing transcripts and I was focused, you know, on getting the transcripts and just not getting anything else done. So at some point it's like, you know what, we're not going to have our transcripts for a little while. They'll come someday. I'll eventually pay someone again (laughs) to do my transcripts. But um, right now they're, they're on hold because that wasn't the most important thing. It felt important to me at the very beginning, but I think just being able to continue to be more consistent was more important than having that transcript perfect every time. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. <laughs> the first episodes when I was doing the podcast with my girlfriends, um, which by the way, we might come back for a second season. So I'm not saying we're not, but yeah, right now, do it. we're kind of on hiatus. <laughs> um, but same thing. The first few episodes were awful just because for, uh, for me, like, I feel like I was awful because I know how uncomfortable I was and like how like nervous I was on the mic. And it literally took, it was like, 
maybe 10, 10 episodes. And then all of a sudden it just clicked one day. And I was like, oh, it's just like, I'm having a conversation with my friends, you know, but I would have never gotten there if we weren't releasing while feeling uncomfortable. So I guess when you originally described that, I was imagining you all just sitting out one night and talking and talking and talking and like just using that and chopping it up into multiple episodes, but you must've come back and did it multiple recordings. Yeah. So that first night was just one episode. Okay. (laughs) And then, yeah, we recorded weekly. Um, one of the co-hosts was my roommate, which was very convenient. Um, huh? And then the other one actually lived in Florida. So we're in Nashville and then she lived in Florida. So we actually recorded all of our episodes on zoom. Okay. Like this, like well, most right of now. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most of them, but sometimes she would come back to, to visit or whatever. Um, and we had a couple times where we had guests who would come over to the house and, you know, it wasn't always totally on zoom, but it mm-hmm. had to be for most of the time. So the two of you were sitting in one room. Did you have like a a microphone that both of you are recording into. I know like this is the, the standard Yeti and you can do a, like a two-way. How did you do that? We just did two microphones. Okay. It made it a little bit harder to edit because I am a very meticulous editor again, uh-huh. over perfectionism. I shouldn't yep. be, but I just am. And so with zoom, because you're able to record separate tracks for each person, mm-hmm. um, it's very like it for you and I, it would be very easy to edit if I started talking over you. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're in the same room, you're going to get, I'm going to pick up the other person in my mic. Oh yeah. And so I can actually cut their mic, but you're still going to hear them in my mic, which yeah. makes it a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, that happens sometimes just even like when someone's not using a, he- um, a headset or earbuds or mm-hmm. AirPods or something, because if they have the if they're trying to just use like the speaker from their computer, it bleeds. My voice yes. bleeds back into their microphone. And that takes a long time to edit those things out. I've learned to ask people if I can hear that. And I know that they're, they don't have like a headset available to just turn your volume down, like as low as you can with, with it still being able to hear me. So at least my voice won't like every time I laugh, <laughs> I can hear echoing and I'm yeah. like, Oh no. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's such a dumb thing. Like you think about my, one of my favorite podcasts, um, people can judge me if you want, I don't care. But one of my favorite podcasts is call her daddy, which, um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Are you? Mm -mm, Okay. Um, you should definitely look it up. I think you'll get a kick out of it, but basically, I mean, this podcast was number one for ever. Um, and now it hovers anywhere between like one and 10 on all categories. She is just amazing. Her name's Alex Cooper is the host. But she, uh, obviously she has a very successful podcast, like right up there with Joe Rogan. And she is an incredible editor as well, but she's not over perfectionist about it. Like sometimes she records in the same room as someone else all the time. And I can tell she's cutting out the other person's mic, but it's still bleeding into hers, but she's still yeah. publishing them. And p- there's still millions of downloads on them. That so makes it's me like, feel better. yeah, it's like, it's really, <laughs> that is like not a huge worry. In my opinion, right. you want to do your best, but at the end of the day, like you just want to get your content. Up. The, the most important thing is, is your content good? The, the two that we have loved, you know, ever since like 2008, 2009, um, stuff you should know. And the, I guess both of them are like NPR people or whatever, um, this American life. Mm-hmm. And I mean, those are like professionally yeah. produced with editors and producers and, you know, like recording studio, like everything perfect. And I'm in a closet in my bedroom, oh, yeah. through my bathroom, <laughs> my toilet's right there. Like, you know, we, we are what we are. And 
but again, like this allows me to work from home. Like those guys, they have to still go in, you know, and um, I get to be with my family and I don't have a commute. And I guess I will, I will choose to, to be in my closet. I would rather not have to drive into some big studio. So you let's, let's transition a little bit. We can come back and keep talking about podcasting. Cause obviously that's like the topic of the day. Right. Um, but let's just talk a little bit about you coming and starting to work from home. Like you were doing this podcasting in a studio, in the recording, like your, your company, your office buildings, all the stuff that you were doing in LA and Nashville was like, you were on your feet. Were you traveling and touring too? So as an artist manager, I was, I was based here in our Nashville office, but we had offices in LA, New York, Atlanta. Uh, we had someone in Boulder. We were just kind of spread out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would travel to our New York office at times, or I would travel to our LA office at times, or I would travel. I wasn't traveling on the road full-time as like a tour manager would, but I was okay. hiring the tour manager. Right. So I would go out for maybe the first show of a tour or the last show of a tour or a major mm-hmm. festival. Um, it was mm-hmm. basically like these one-offs that I would travel for. Okay. Um, and then in the podcasting space, the whole time I was working in podcasting was pretty much during the pandemic. So we were all working from home. Everything was remote. Mm -hmm. I've, I've always been, you know, over zoom and which is good. It's it's like great to learn that way. Um, and it's great to save the cost of having to rent a studio. And it's nice to be able to not have to convince your clients not to pay for it. Like (laughs) when you're working with recording artists and, um, like, these big level influencers, they oftentimes, because of what it looks like, like optically, they're going to want to put their money towards things that don't matter as much. Um, and I'm not, not at all referring to Michael Franti. I'm just saying in general. Um, and it's nice to be able to record over zoom and say, Hey, look, everyone's recording over zoom right now. Like it's fine. And then they get used to it and look at how Mm -hmm. much money you save in the long run. Right. Your audience doesn't care. You know, they don't care Mm -hmm. where you're recording. So yeah, it's, we've all been from home. It's been great. Well, and then, uh, you know, from the very beginning, I guess in the past, you know, podcasts often were recorded in the studio together, kind of Mm -hmm. like, you know, radio show hosts and everything would do too. But, um, all of a sudden, like, because of the pandemic, we're all remote. So whether or not, like I have a neighbor who lives across the street from me, right? I'll interview him one of these days from my, my podcast. I could totally have him come over to my home and we could record in my closet <laughs> but, <laughs> awkward um but I can also record with the guy who's in New Zealand and the guy who's in Australia and the lady who's in Malaysia and you know I've been able to speak with people in Germany and Spain recently um and that never would have been possible I can't fly people in like that's just not going to happen um you know or wait until you could only you'd be limited to people who are local to you and now it's like now that we're just accepting you know these tools and you know this new format like this is we're not in the same room but I think I think I'm thankful that we have the video option even for the people who are listening just to the audio right now what's happening is that we are still able to look at each other while we're talking and that helps us to build a little bit of rapport and I think that's important and then also like sometimes (laughs) if someone's talking and talking and talking I have something I want to interject I can kind of like signal like hey (laughs) let me break in for a second and vice versa Um, and so these tools I think we're becoming accustomed to them and it's really changing though even the way podcasting is working you know from 10 years ago oh my gosh absolutely with Michael Franti as I said I've been producing his podcast for um, I I don't know I think we're on like 50 episodes at this point wow but 
we've been, he's been quarantining in Bali. He owns a hotel in Bali. So he's been 13 <laughs> hours ahead of me, Yep. Uh, which as a podcast producer, you know, we're record, I'm on every single session with him. And so I'm recording at either 7am or 9pm at night, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and his poor manager, day-to-day manager who manages every aspect of his career, everything except the podcast has been on Bali time. <laughs> for oh. <laughs> over a year they're Ooh. doing meetings at like 11 p.m but but that person's here in the states she's here in nashville yeah she's amazing oh, wow. her name's caitlin stone she's like the best manager in town in my opinion but she she loves it she's a night owl you know no complaints at all it's yeah. just so interesting how we're able to do business on on number one inverse time zones but then mm-hmm. it's as if we're together you know like we get on video and just like you said we're looking at each other and yeah we know each other and it's great. Yeah. It's funny sometimes when you're like, well, good night. And they're like, wait, it's like 7 a.m. for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but but for the most part, I think that definitely time zones are starting to, I don't know, the the lines are getting blurred. You know, it's cool. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your actual physical transition from working in those offices to literally being at home. Now, I know that that happened primarily because of the pandemic or was some of that intentional? Had you already been planning on that or did it just kind of get thrown at you? Oh my gosh. Another God story. Not as long as the first one, I promise. Go for it. But I, um, I live in a three bedroom home and for the longest time I had two roommates and myself because Nashville is very expensive, but also I'm very cheap and I loved it. You know, it's fun. I've done it too. Yeah. It's great. And I love, I always love my roommates and it's awesome. But Mm -hmm. I did decide that it was a little much, um, and I really wanted to convert the third bedroom into a home office. Mm -hmm. And so when one of the roommates moved out, I was like, okay, let me just like jump in here and quick. I completely repainted. I completely redecorated. And I, and I really, it was supposed to be like a spare bedroom slash home office. Okay. And right when I finished the home office, the pandemic hit. Wow. Like literally right, right. When I you were so it. ready, I was so ready. Everyone else was like working from their kitchen countertops and like yeah. stressing out. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm so happy. Like I've always wanted to work from home. I've always wanted a home office. I just styled my office, like not to downplay the pandemic. And a lot of people went through a lot of horrible, horrible things transitioning from home. I'm not trying to downplay that at all. Mm-hmm. However, for me, I was like, I'm set. I love mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Yeah, for me, I was already working from home for like 12 years before all of that happened. The big change for us is that my husband came home Mm. and my kids stayed home from school. And so I was used to kind of bouncing around the house by myself four days a week. My daughter, (laughs) my preschooler was home with me just on Mondays. That was our special day together that we would like go to the park and read books and snuggle and, you know, uh, go visit daddy for lunch and go to the, you know, just the fun stuff. Um, And now it's like, that's every day, all day long, (laughs) except for also everybody has to be online at the same time. And we didn't have enough computers. Like we didn't have enough, like we thought that our iPad and our Chromebooks, no, we didn't have Chromebooks back then. Like we just, yeah, it was kind of wonderful just to have so much family time together and also overwhelming because we weren't equipped. We didn't have desks for anybody. And at that point, desks were almost impossible to buy. Headsets were impossible to buy. Like everything on Amazon was like eight to 10 weeks out. Desks, I mean, people were, you couldn't find a desk to save your life. So people were just working from wherever they could. But you already had one? I already had one. I'm telling you, it was such a godsend thing. Like 
it's such a gift. <laughs> I don't right. even know what else to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was and literally like a week prior. I had just finished the, the office and then a week later I was working from home. So one of your roommates had just moved out. You had a little bit of time to remodel that room or however, um, refresh it. Yep. You said that you were recording one of those podcasts with one of your roommates. Is that the one who stayed? Um, well, actually, no, I've gone through a lot of roommates. Um, she moved in right at the beginning of the pandemic too. She hadn't, we had no idea the pandemic was about to start. Right. She moved here from Florida and we ended up having a quarantine together for God knows how long. Um, nice way to get to know someone. Oh yeah, definitely. We got COVID together. Oh, <laughs> we were both no. fine, thankfully, but we were definitely, I mean, we had just met each other and we oh, were wow. totally homebound because we both were, you know, infected. And so it was great that we ended up becoming really, really close friends. We started that podcast and again, it's just like all a God thing. It all works out. That's one way to bond. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So what about your roommate? Was she also working from home intentionally? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she had already been working from home. So she worked remotely, which is what allowed her to move to Nashville. So she was based in Florida, but she, um, her name's Amber, who I'm referring to. She is just like a, we call her like a nomad. Like she just is such a travel person. Mm -hmm. She always wants to be in a new location. She always loves to travel. She will live out of a storage unit and just crash on friends' couches. Like that is just how she lives her life. And so moving to Nashville was just like a short, it was supposed to be like a short-term adventure, you know? And yeah, it ended up being a short-term adventure. She was here for about a year and then recently moved back to Florida. Okay. And has been able to keep her job all that time. Mm -hmm. Because she works remote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, not everyone that works remote has been able to keep their job. So (laughs) I recognize that, you know, like, Regardless of, you know, your company, some of them are still downsizing. It's been quite the ringer this yes, past year. Definitely. And have you ever had the bug to continue traveling, even though now you're trying to be working from your home? Like, I know some people look at that as like a launch point for, you know, that travel lifestyle. Or are you like more of a homebody? You know, I would love to travel, um, but I am ready to travel for fun. Like mm-hmm. that is definitely why I love the idea of working for myself because I want to yeah. be able to, not that I want to take off of, I, I work just as many hours for myself as I ever did for anyone else, if not more. Um, and because I'm building a business Oh yeah, and I want to be able though, to have the freedom, not only time freedom, but also financial freedom to be able to go rent an Airbnb on a beach and just work from there, you know, yep. and like work in different places. Um, I, I am happy though, to not have to travel for work. I will say as a manager, traveling for work is not the most fun ever. It looks so glamorous. Like, oh, you're going to these festivals and you're going to this show and you're going backstage and da, da, da. but they don't realize as a manager, I'm up at, you know, 6am to catch my flight. I'm preparing for whatever that big event we have is that I'm in charge of start to finish, making sure it all goes smoothly. And then I have to, yes, I have to watch the show and I have to be very engaged in that show because the manager has to be very excited about being at that show. And then after the show, I have to stay up until 2am with the band. And I have to talk to all of the partners that flew in for the show. And then I go to bed at 4am and then I get on a flight the next day and fly home. Like it's, it's not as fun as what like it seems. So I do not miss traveling for work. Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. (laughs) So you told us at the very beginning that you originally went to school for music. 
mm-hmm. business and songwriting. What genre are you into? Um, I I was into country when I moved to Nashville. I thought I wanted to be a country songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I I'm just like a top 40 girl, just pretty much whatever's popular on the radio. I'm not like an underground, you know, I, I don't like what's cool. And that's part of the reason, like the company that I worked for was very cool, like very elite, um, worked with artists such as like, you know, the Grateful De- Debt, company and the Lumineers and, and various different artists, Dwight Yoakam. They're all amazing artists. So amazing. And I, my bosses and I just had different tastes in like what we would listen to for fun. Like mm-hmm. I don't find myself listening to the grateful dead, but I know that they're a very respected band that has a oh, yeah. huge, one of the most massive followings, you know, it just Hustle happens. Name. Right. It just happens to be not something that I put on in my car. Like I literally put mm-hmm. on the radio still and I enjoy those songs. So right. <laughs> pretty much anything that's like popular mainstream. Born. I have three children and uh-huh. so for the past 10 years, I feel like all I know are kid songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, I, I used to be cool, but actually not very, uh, be- I was a music major also, actually. Oh, I, awesome. You know, yeah, I um, forgot a lot of what my, you know, my, uh, I don't know. I forgot a lot of the skills. I can't play piano very well anymore at all. And I've forgotten so many of the cool things I could do. You know, like I actually took songwriting classes and stuff too, but um I thought I'd be a music teacher. And then I shadowed in schools and I was like, wow, I can't do this. I never took band. So I don't know all the band instruments and I've never really been in a big ensemble. Uh, I was more of a solo piano person and, you know, just didn't have the same foundation that a lot of my friends who were, you know, in orchestras and stuff had. So I guess I pretty quickly realized like I can do music for fun, but I'll probably do something else for work. That is exactly Sorry to cut you off, but that's exactly okay. what happened to me. I didn't have, I played the guitar and I sang and in Nashville, you have to play writer's rounds. Like it's just part of what to do. If you, if you want to be a songwriter, a serious songwriter, and I would play in my hometown, I would play coffee shops and I would be nervous because I, I started playing the guitar when I was like 16. Yeah. So it's not like I had like years and years of guitar. You, didn't, you weren't born with it. No. <laughs> And I would play, I would force myself to play and I would, I would be okay, you know? And mm-hmm. then I moved to Nashville, whereas like in my hometown, I'm like the star of my hometown, you know? And then you move to Nashville and it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. These people have been Fish playing, the they were literally born with a guitar in their hands. Yeah. And I, it was one night I was playing a writer's round. I don't know if she was in my round or like we were playing the same night, but Casey Musgraves was in a round I was playing or like the same venue or something. And I was watching her and I was just like, she was born to do this. Like this, she, there's zero effort. She does it so effortlessly and she sings so beautifully and she plays her instrument so beautifully. Whereas like when I'm playing, I'm constantly freaking out that I'm going to forget the chords because I have them memorized. I don't have, like, I don't know why I'm playing what I'm playing. I just know what to do next. It's muscle memory. Right. And so it was terrifying for me. And that night is when I was like, you know what? I have to be honest with myself was a lot of people aren't honest with themselves and they end up staying in something for a very long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when I decided, you know, I'm going to go into management and figure out like how to be involved in the industry in a different way. Well, what's interesting with my college experience is that I think I was a senior and I finally just changed my major to be liberal arts because I was actually really loving like my um, pottery and my photography classes. And so I added like an art minor. 
And that was really fun. But then I started doing photography more professionally, semi-professionally, I would say. I helped with weddings. I did several weddings. They maybe weren't the best pictures ever known to man, but I enjoyed it. You know, I I had a way with, you know, I'm one of 10 kids, so I can get kids together, you know, have a hard time with my own kids. But honestly, like when you're doing like all of these things, I was doing, I was traveling and doing, you know, if we did a vacation or a mission trip or, you know, any kind of conference or convention, something like that, I was the one taking the pictures. And then um, prom and family photos and Christmas pictures and like things for all of my friends and family. And I got burnt out so bad that I didn't want to take a picture for like six years. I'd go on vacation and I wouldn't take my camera just to be like present. Mm -hmm. And I kind of lost that love. And then I started having babies and I realized my husband, who isn't a photographer, was the only one taking pictures of our kids. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, oh, I should probably, you know, take over this role again and started to enjoy it again. But I'm kind of thankful that I didn't get so burnt out that I couldn't even take pictures of my own kids. And I kind of feel that way about music. A few years ago, um, I put my kids in piano lessons and this lady was giving group lessons for four people at a time. And I put two of my kids in and then me. And it was just the three of us most of the time. And she'd sit and play duets with me and it was like fun again. And like, I remember just like jamming and playing Christmas songs and like improvising and, you know, just one of the classically trained teachers actually walked in. He's like, what are you guys doing? And, and we were like, join us, you know, these are the chords we're working off of. And he was like, I don't even know how to do that. And I just felt so it was exhilarating. You know, and it had been like 15 years since I've had those feelings. And I'm like, man, I used to use this as like an antidepressant. Like playing piano was like stress relieving. And then, you know, I went for six years without one and finally got one. But I mean, do you you still play? Did you start, did you pick it up again at all during the pandemic or not really? Uh, So same as you, I got really burnt out. I haven't picked up my guitar in, oh gosh, years. Really? Yeah. And well, I had a shitty guitar anyway, and I, <laughs> yeah. so it wasn't fun to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I meet with, this is going to sound very woo woo, but like, I'm a very woo woo person, but I meet with an angel reader. Um, like I try to, I meet don't with her know what that, I don't know what that is. So, um, basically she connects you with your guardian angels, with archangels, delivers messages. And it's kind of like therapy for me. I love it. And she's so amazing. So amazing. Um, but anyway, she was talking to me in one of my sessions and she was like, you really need to start singing again. And she had no idea that I sang or that, like, that was something that I really love to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was like, I just really think that your soul needs that. Like you just need to start singing again. And she told me that probably a year ago Mm -hmm. and I sing in the shower, but ever since she told me that I've been meaning to play my guitar, but I'm still just so burnt out. Like I just have no interest in playing the guitar. So I Mm -hmm. I think I just need to focus on like just the singing part. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My husband was, um, in bands and, you know, like he was in marching band and then bands, um, you know, in his twenties and I guess. I met him when we were 31. So I think he had just moved away from all of those friends to just pursue school for a while. And he's had guitars and kind of tinkered over the years. But this past year, like he has like busted out that guitar and he bought another one. He saved up and we bought the kids a guitar and he's buying books. (laughs) He's getting like, he is seriously getting good again, you know, like probably better than he'd ever been in his life. But yeah, I'm not that dedicated to practice right now. No, me either. (laughs) So, uh, during, 
your your work from home experience has been unique because it happened in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, but I do like to ask sometimes because it sounds like you are living a single life, right? So, mm-hmm. how do you how do you balance like this whole work and and recreation thing while working from home? It is, I feel so lucky. Like I know a lot of people struggle with it. They struggle with the balance. They struggle with being motivated from a home office. Like I hear it from my friends. I know that it's a very real thing. Um, However, I feel very lucky because I absolutely love it. And I think it's because I've been in artist management for so long where it's a lifestyle career. I'm always on the clock. When you're an artist manager, you don't, it's not normal hours. I was in the office for 13 hours a day, but Mm -hmm. I was still able to, you know, if I had to run to the doctor, if I had to pay my bills or like, I didn't have anyone ever breathing down my neck. I was in charge of my own stuff. And, you know, I worked very hard, but I was in charge of my success and my client's success. And, Mm -hmm. and, And I, it was, it wasn't like a clock in clock out situation. So I've been used to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so transitioning, working from home, it was like, oh, now I get to wake up a little bit later because I am cutting out my commute and I get to not it, especially now that I work for myself and I clear out, you know, some of the days I don't have calls at all, like on purpose, I don't have zoom Mm -hmm. calls so that I know that I don't even have to put on makeup that day. And I don't have to wash my hair. And like, I don't have to see anyone. Like, I love the freedom of being able to, Hey, let me like knock out some emails and then go switch a little laundry and come back. And, and I just get everything done. And it's amazing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, some people find that those can be really distracting, and mm-hmm. other people are like, it's a good balance. So mm-hmm. I love being able to just switch that load of laundry or unload the dishwasher really quick just to even like, I sit at my computer and I type a lot, right? Just to get different muscles moving. It's good. Like you're supposed to take a stretch break. <laughs> my husband mm-hmm. stretches out on the bed. I'm like, I got to run downstairs and get, you know, glass of water. Um, and I where- found myself doing that at the office as well. Like, yeah. it was, but at the office, when you're taking, when I was taking a break at the office, it was popping into a coworker's office and maybe like mm-hmm. laying on her floor for like 10 minutes and like talking or whatever. And it was still that same break, but now it's like, okay, I have that same break, but I'm able to do something productive for my right. personal life, which is so great. on the weekend, I don't have to, you know, right. Right. Yeah. Um, and then social life. Um, are you finding yourself connecting with people virtually now, or are you kind of exploring the the new horizons again with, um, you were saying post-pandemic. I feel like we're still kind of in the middle here, in the middle of it here in May of 2021. But yeah, like what's it looking like for you now? Are you getting out? Oh yeah, I'm definitely out. Um, Nashville is pretty open at this point. We're okay. all still wearing masks, you know, oh, wow. in places where there's, you know, elderly people and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I've been at the gym for a while now. Um, yeah. And uh, restaurants have been open for quite a while I've just been living my life. You know, I'm not, I mean, it's very controversial. Everyone has their own opinions, but All I'm right. not going to live in fear. I already had COVID. Um, All right. And it, I know for me personally, it, it didn't really affect me the way that it affected a lot of other people really horribly. I feel very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not something that personally I'm scared of getting again because I'm okay. healthy. I am young, you know obviously I'm extra cautious about giving it to people that aren't as lucky. Right. But, um, yeah, no, I'm still outdoors and doing all the things. Right. Yeah. Safely. We've (laughs) we've definitely like, I think around July last year, we were like, let's just go to the parks in the evening when Mm -hmm. it's cooling off. We're in Arizona. So it's so hot and just, you know, 
we're, we were just with our family, but we just started to spread out again. And so finding ways to get, you know, the outdoor, the outdoors is still, you know, the kids can't be vaccinated for a while. And so we're still feeling safe, but, you know, getting the exercise and seeing nature and green and friends and, you know, just even at the park sometimes with little play dates, it's, it's nice to kind of feel like things are starting to come back. Um, let's just wrap up here. I know that you said you have another meeting that you're going to be attending. Uh, why don't you tell us what you're going to tell us about the membership that you're working through and you have a group thing that you're starting up. Um, how can people find that if they're interested and what is it about? What would, who would be the best person? Let me, well, I have to edit that out. Go ahead and just let us know how we can find you and learn a little bit more about your membership. Yeah. So the membership program is brand spanking new. Um, and I will do the first official launch in June, but you can definitely sign up before then. Um, it's basically my, my unique comprehensive start to finish. How can you start a podcast? How can you do it and not miss a step? How can you do it and feel confident that you're going to have clear audio and you're going to feel confident that you're going to be on all the major directories and you're going to feel confident in your plan to make sure that people see your podcast and that, you know, if, if you're able to chart, you're going to put yourself in every position to make that possible, you know, Mm -hmm. start to finish everything you need. Um, but it's not overwhelming. Like it is the exact, I think I was telling you this before we started recording, but the reason I even started putting all this content together is because I was putting out my first podcast for a client and I wanted to make sure that if another client came along, I have my notes, (laughs) you know, and I know exactly what to do and I know what worked. And so I was putting it together for myself. So it is the same when I go to launch a podcast, when I'm working with anyone or I'm giving anyone any advice, I pull up the stuff that I've prepared for my students. So like, I know, I know that I know that I know that this plan is, you know, what works. So, um, there's 10 comprehensive lessons taking you from start to finish. And then also I'm building in group support just because I know you're going to get stuck somewhere. I was lucky. I have a songwriting background. And so editing is really easy to me, but I know that it doesn't come as easy for other people. Um, and so we can get on and say, Hey, what are you stuck on? Let's screen share. Let me show you what I do. Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'm throwing in, you know, during launches, some bonuses just to speed up the process even more. So, I don't know exactly what I'll be including, but I imagine, you know, I might throw in maybe let's get your, I'll pay for your trailer episode or something like that, just so that you have something right off the bat, um, to get you, you know, further along on your journey, but it's for anyone that wants to start a podcast, mainly, um, content creators, influencers, micro influencers, especially, and, um, any entrepreneur, because I think it's an amazing way. A podcast is an amazing way to, sell your existing products and services rather than Mm -hmm. relying on thinking that you're going to get, you know, major sponsorship dollars right off the bat. So usually it doesn't happen unless you have a huge following. Yeah. Um, but I think it's the most incredible marketing tool we have right now, in my opinion. Yeah. Great way to build connections and yeah, get your name out there and, you know, build bridges even for, you know, new venture opportunities, joint venture opportunities and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And what about the people who have already started a podcast, but might want to revamp it? Are you thinking about like round two or anything else in addition to for the very newbie podcaster? Yeah. So if you already have a podcast and you feel like there's, you know, some stuff that you need to work on, I also offer consultation. So if it's just like little things, you're like, Hey, I, everything's great, but I just want you to look over, give me some pointers, like look at all my stuff. Tell me if there's anything you see. And I I can just charge hourly as consultation. Mm -hmm. Um, but also if you, 
you know, kind of bootstrapped the whole thing. You can obviously come back through the program and just have, like I said, like access to every single step I did. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, there's, I mean, just contact me. I'm so new in my business that I'm creative and just trying to figure it out. You know, this program will change and evolve and grow and I'm just yeah. excited to do whatever. Well, one of the things that, I mean, I know that there are a lot of people out there that will try to teach podcasting, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things that you have going is that you've done it recently and a lot of new tools are out there right now and, mm-hmm. you know, t- new techniques and even, you know, equipment that, you know, weren't out five years ago. Uh, P- Captivate that where I'm using is actually relatively new. And it's, it's nice to, you know, kind of be on the cutting edge with some of those things. And I know that it sounds like you've researched heavily. So a good good contact. How can people contact you? I'm on Instagram most. So it's just at the Angie Griffith on Instagram or for anything podcasting, you can go to starting a podcast is easy.com. Um, I have a totally free checklist that gives you basically an overview of everything you'll need to do to get a podcast off the ground. So I would definitely recommend maybe starting there. Um, you can always register for, I'll be doing like you know, launches for this program and I'll be giving away a bunch of free content in those launches. So you can go to starting a podcast is easy.com just has literally everything. It's a link hub of all the different things. So I love your, uh, domain name. That's great. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted how to start a podcast, but it was taken. Oh, everything is taken these days. (laughs) I know. (laughs) No, starting a podcast is (laughs) easy.com. All right. Well, um, any final words before we go? Uh, anything you would recommend to people who are considering working from home or starting a podcast? My biggest piece of advice is just to go with your gut. Like if, like for me, everything that's worked out in my life is because I felt convicted, you know, and I, I have just gone with the flow and I do what makes me happy. And I don't worry about fitting into a box and I think if you want to work from home, just figure it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's doable. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Angie. Thank you for experimenting with or introducing me to podcasting with Zoom. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I will continue to use this format, but I, I appreciate you helping push me out of the box. When we started recording, um, for some reason, I don't know what it was about the internet or something in the system today, but we just had a really big lag and it was our cameras were freezing and it's not usually quite that bad. So we're like, let's just try plan B. And it was a good time to try a good person to try with. Yeah, no, this so. was awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me to come on. This has been such a great conversation. I'm so glad to get to know you. Well, thank you. We, I, I, I feel the same. Let's, let's meet again. I hope. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Angie. This has been April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>